Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. So the format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love. Uh, We will talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also discuss the personal connection that guest has to that movie. So if that sounds good, keep listening. This is Lisa, and I have a guest with me here today, uh, David. Say hi, David. Hi, everyone. And David, uh, what movie are we discussing today? Today, we're talking about my favorite childhood movie, Jurassic Park. Awesome. You know what's funny is I recorded an episode last night uh, with somebody and uh, with uh, Scott, who's in the group too, and he... uh, picked a movie that was also made in 1993. Yes. What, what was his movie? <laughs> it was uh, mask of the phantasm. Oh yeah. That oh, that was so good. Yeah. That was that, so good. I was like, ha, oh, this is ironic. It's like two, it must've been a good year. Cause it was like this, this movie and, and that movie. And I think, uh, the lion King too came out that year. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. Nineties, yeah. nineties was a, a good decade for, you know, movies for sure. Yeah, for sure. So um, before I read the synopsis and all that, let's kind of get to know you a little bit. Um, how how did you see this movie? Was it did you see this in theaters, Do you, or was it on DVD or VHS or? Yeah, yeah. So I was, um, I think it was eleven when it came out. Okay. So definitely, you know, the right age for this kind of movie in the theaters. Um, I was a, I was already kind of a dino kid. Like I had dinosaur toys and was, was into them, you know, just as a, as a young age. And then, so when this movie came out or was, you know, in ads, uh, I pretty much insisted I had to see that movie as soon as I could. So I think my mom, I was, I was raised by my mom. And so she did, I think like a, a grade rewards type thing, you know, you do well in school, then you'll go get to see the movie you want to see. Um, mm-hmm. so Aww. we, yeah, yeah, it was a good motivator for sure. So, uh, so I saw it first in the theaters with her and then I want to say I got my friends and their parents to take us, you know, I said, Hey, it's a really fun movie. We should go watch it. And they were all in oh, and then saw I, it twice. Well, no, I saw it a third time what? too, because <laughs> so I was in like a, so Dallas had a YWCA like after school kids care type thing. Uh-huh. And one day the people running were like, okay, we're going to take you all to a movie. And I was like, we got to go see Jurassic Park. That's <laughs> so awesome. I like, I got all the kids to, you know, like I swung the, the kid vote towards Jurassic Park. So I, I, I suckered my way into getting to see it a th- three times as a kid while I was in the theaters. Great. And I loved it. Yeah, I loved it totally as a kid. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things that um, I think when you see certain movies at certain ages, they just get just attached to your brain and it's formative and it's like really important to you. 
Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, now as an adult, I go back and watch it and I have a completely different relationship to it, sure. but I still have that like enthusiasm and love for, you know, Jurassic Park, just cause I, I remember what it felt like to be a little, a little kid that loved dinosaurs, watching dinosaurs do cool things on the, on the big screen. Yeah. You know, when you said you were a dino kid, I feel like I was too. I don't know if there was just something about the nineties. But it seems like, and I mean, I don't have kids, so maybe that's why I have this, sure. <laughs> this outlook. <laughs> maybe every but, kid is a dino kid. We yeah, just don't know that. <laughs> but it, it really felt like in the 90s, it was really big. Like, I even remember there being some kind of exhibit that was traveling around, and I went to this, like, uh, it was kind of like a mobile museum that came to our town. It was in, like, a big tent, and we went and looked Whoa. at all this dinosaur stuff. And I know that was before this movie came out. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And after this movie came out, it definitely was even more obsessed with it. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, a lot of anthropologists, they credit Jurassic Park as, or what is it, paleontologists? Is paleontology the study of Oh my dinosaurs? gosh, you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> yeah, so whatever that ology is, <laughs> we're already off the rails. Um, we didn't whatever. end up becoming that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. A lot of people credit this movie as impetus for them to go and study dinosaurs as adults just because that, you know, it spurred them into realizing, oh, this is cool and this is something that can be done. So this is what I want to do with my life. That um, seems so wild. I mean, I mean, but yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, yeah. you said you were 11. I was nine. I mean, we're yeah. in our 30s. Obviously, by now, somebody could be doing that for a living, but it just... I don't know. I guess just because it was around even when I was a kid, I it feels like this movie came out more recently than it did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, you, you mentioned. You know, I think you're right. I think there was a lot of dino stuff around that because I remember I was watching like Dino Riders, which was a cartoon about people who ride dinosaurs, and then Dino Saucers, which was a sci-fi cartoon about dinosaurs from another planet landing on earth to solve (laughs) mysteries or something like that. Oh my gosh. I'd be all over that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. And so like all of those cartoons kind of fed me as a, as a younger kid. And then, you know, you learn about how cool some of those bigger dinosaurs are and you're like, Oh man, this is awesome. And then, you know, Jurassic park really introduced me to the velociraptor and yeah. that dinosaur, and I was like, what? Small dinosaurs can be cool, too? Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> yes. So. <laughs> yeah, like, I remember this movie, when it came out, uh, there was a lot of warning parents, like, this is too scary, it's too real. And so I didn't see it in theaters, but I insisted on seeing it when it came out on VHS, question mark? I, I am yeah, really yeah. fuzzy on when <laughs> DVDs and VHS happen. I need to look that up. Um, but I saw it, uh, and I was genuinely chilled as a child, uh, seeing the dinosaurs. Like it was like, I was really excited, but I was also really scared. And, uh, when I watched it again this Saturday, I, I, I remembered all those feelings. It was like, wow. When this came out, I mean, it was intense. It was like they were real. I don't think there's, there had ever been something that realistic with dinosaurs, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, so when it came out on VHS, I got it. And um, you remember the scene where the like the safari guy goes and, and faces off against the velociraptors and it's just like him and the shotgun. Yes. And he get and he gets eaten, right? He gets killed. Right. 
so that scene, I had seen the movie in the theaters like two or three times, maybe more. I never saw that scene because I was so scared as a kid. I would leave, go to the bathroom <laughs> and come back after I knew whatever was about to happen was done. Wow. <laughs> so, so like, I agree the movie was a little intense for an 11 year old, but I even then had some sort of mechanism to like, no, I'm going to see the rest of this movie. I don't care that it's scary. <laughs> yeah. And I definitely <laughs> turned into that little boy where I was like carrying around a book with all the different dinosaurs and educating people. I remember even like being kind of snobby and hipster about the velociraptors. Like I found yes. another dinosaur that was kind of similar to the velociraptor and I memorized the name of it. And I would just like, name drop that when people talked about dinosaurs i would be like have you heard of this other dinosaur that's oh like yeah basically oh, the yeah. same dinosaur and i was like very but like about way it. W- way better yeah, yeah yeah no exactly yeah <laughs> yeah because you because people were like oh what's your favorite dinosaur and like all the kids would say oh t-rex t-rex and then it was like no velociraptor and then somebody else would say no man mega raptor or whatever yeah <laughs> you know? it's like, like they would just drop you know alisar is my favorite because it's whatever you know it's like yes, oh exactly. man but, like i kind of dug it because that's th- there's obviously so much so many different ages of dinosaurs that mm-hmm. like kids could do that they could like almost like picking your favorite baseball player or superhero you could like go through the whole dinosaur pantheon and be like all right this is the dinosaur that's like me you know the brachiosaurus with his club tail that's yeah. me you know I'm, I'm small and scrappy and you know you don't mess with me because i got spikes you know <laughs> like, exactly or like i'm like really into the cretaceous period um those or when all my favorite dinosaurs happened or something. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so all that stuff I think is, is just awesome. Just the way that dinosaur dinosaurs can do that for people. And like, mm-hmm. even, you know, you and me as 30 year olds, like, Oh yeah, I loved this dinosaur and I love that. And, you know, I can't think of uh, most, well, I guess most animals are cool that way, but like, you know, there's something about that you it's all in your head it's all in imagination mm-hmm. and there's some i don't know something kind of maybe a little more visceral about that that you don't have anything to come along and ruin your your fantasy <laughs> of what they were like in I, your head yeah i think i think that nails it i mean they never really stop being cool um i'm going to go ahead and read the synopsis really quick and then we'll kind of dive into the quick facts so jurassic park In Steven Spielberg's massive blockbuster, paleontologists Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler and mathematician Ian Malcolm are among a select group chosen to tour an island-themed park populated by dinosaurs created from prehistoric DNA. While the park's mastermind billionaire John Hammond assures everyone that the facility is safe, they find out otherwise when various ferocious predators break free and go on the hunt. It's a pretty concise uh, synopsis. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. that lays the the groundwork. You know what you're getting into. Exactly. Well, um, now that we, you know, as if anyone doesn't know the plot of this movie, basically uh, dinosaurs get free um, is what happens. Um, But, yeah, I've got some quick facts here. And then if you have a couple to throw in, definitely chime in. Um, Let me kind of get started on them. Uh, I did read that this movie won two Oscars uh, for Best Sound best effects sound editing and then best effects visual effects which i do feel like yeah the visuals and the sound 
the sound really it's like the main thing that kind of sticks with me about this movie i mean i feel like you kind of get overshadowed by how cool the dinosaurs look but the i mean we don't know how dinosaurs sounded so like what they came up with for how they sound it's just really cool yeah i okay so uh, when we got started i think before we even uh started the recording we were talking a little bit about how i'm kind of a sound nerd oh yeah and I totally agree. The The way they gave life to the dinosaurs via not just like the sounds they made from their gut whenever they were roaring or, or chortling or whatever, um, to the way they handled the tapping feet mm-hmm. in, the, in the kitchen scene, you know, they really put a ton of care into like, all right, I have this beast. It's a monster. It's call it a ton. You know, it's heavy and it's going to jump onto a kitchen counter. Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's work all that out, you know, and, and, and really get into the guts of how that's going to sound to the audience. You don't notice that kind of stuff, but there's something part of your brain that connects with a lot. It's like, oh, yeah, I would expect to hear the warping of the metal or the pounding of the ground as the as the monster comes, you know, and they really did a lot of cool tension and suspense. Mm-hmm. It's that. very suspenseful, actually. Yeah. 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 Like they gave me, like I said, when I was a kid and I was like running to the bathroom during the scary scenes, like they, they told me via sound, Hey, it's getting scary. Right. Right. <laughs> and so little 11 year old me, was like, all right, that's my cue. I'm going to go to the bathroom and come back. <laughs> right. Well, I yeah. mean, Steven Spielberg gave us Jaws, you know, and that was yeah. probably, I mean, that was like his first movie and it was a monster movie. And it, yeah. again, build up on, you know, uh, the movie is predicated on tension. You barely see that you barely see Jaws, but you're yeah. so afraid because yeah. of all the tension that builds. And this movie is the same way. You see more of the dinosaurs, I think, but yeah. it's still a, it's a slow build. Um, yeah, getting, definitely. Yeah. Like he's we spend forever in act one. You know, we yeah. spend forever getting to know the park and how amazing it is and how safe it is and how uh, interesting the characters are. And they do like these philosophical discussions about the ethics of bringing monsters back. You know I mean? Like that's, that's interesting that they spent the time on that Mm -hmm. in a movie where it's, you know, ostensibly a monster movie. Normally you get to the monster bit kind of right away. Right. Exactly. In in, in your normal monster movie. But for Spielberg, it's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to suck you in. You're going to feel safe. And then we're going to slowly, we're going to slowly take a piece away at a time. And then before you know it's too late, you're you're in the thick of it. You know, it's kind of like um, 28 Days Later or um, a couple of the other horror movies where it all starts – Every oh, sorry. That's oh, no, sound. you're fine. <laughs> it all starts super safe. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, like Sunshine yeah. is that way. Oh, everything's fine. It's yeah. super safe. And then we'll make one little decision. No worries. It's fine. You know, and, and – Jurassic Park was the same way. Everything's fine. You know, oh, we got this weird IT guy that needs money, but it's fine. It's cool. Don't worry about it. You know, he has control over the whole park. It's it'll be fine. You know, <laughs> sometimes I feel like it's still kind of that way. And no offense to you IT people out there, Josh. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, your life is kind of in their hands. <laughs> I feel yeah. like Steven really you know, he tapped into that fear. <laughs> yeah. 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 That whole, like, you know, it, it is on one sense a fear of science and advancement because it's fear of like genetics and what you can really get away with there. But it's also, you're right. You have fear of the power that it can have over your organization. And yeah. definitely in the nineties, I think people were getting that like oh, hacking yeah. was 
I think Hackers came out mm-hmm. not too long, yeah. like around <laughs> that time. So, yeah, I mean, there was definitely that was in the consciousness of like IT is important and critical and can ruin you. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but, um, you know, the other thing you mentioned, the visual effects, I really credit um, Jurassic Park with making awesome visual effects mm-hmm. and and really making it so that CGI had a, a legitimate place mm-hmm. in, in movies. Cause I remember around then there were, there were some CGI productions and they were noticeable and kind of bad. Yes. I think you know? the blend, you know, he really blended practical effects with, yeah. with digital. I mean, I, I think the digital that stands out to me the most is when it's literally impossible to have a, a practical effect, like when the dinosaurs are running or, and, yeah. and they just give you small hints. In fact, there's yeah. only 15 minutes of dinosaurs in this entire movie, which <laughs> I didn't, I didn't realize yeah, that. that's great. It's, that's it's great. like, how is that possible? I feel like there's dinosaurs constantly, but there's not because a yeah. lot of it is like you said, exposition. Um, yeah. so, uh, so yeah, so I think by using it sparingly is probably what made it so successful. And then, yeah. uh, you know, just having a good team. I also read this film as the first one to have DTS, which is digital. It, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. Like, I remember, I remember, uh, that was a big thing. I guess that's what launched it or their yeah. first, uh, foray into that. But yeah, I remember that was a big deal. Cause it was, it was a uh, full, you know, not 3d sound, but it was full, you know, five way surround when I, when you want to listen to it, when I was watching it not too long ago, I, I, I recognized that, Oh wow. They have forward sound. They have back sound mm-hmm. left and right. I mean, they, I didn't realize that it was so advanced in that way. And I also didn't realize that it was the first one to be so forward thinking in it's, in it's uh, sound design. That's so cool. Yeah. DTS dedicated to sound. It's a series oh. of multi-channel audio technologies owned by DTS, formerly known as digital theater systems. So it, it basically surround sound, yeah, um, but yeah. just a more, uh, I guess, sophisticated version of that. Sure. Um, well, when you're when you're in a studio and you're spending millions of dollars, of course, it's going to be the most sophisticated right, <laughs> like right. system out there. You can have 10 sound engineers or however much, you know, um, one other thing. So so the visual effects, um, one of the cool little factoids um, there's. So I think the part of the way they got away with having so much effect and and all that is. There is actually frames where the dinosaurs aren't there. Mm. And I remember when the VHS came out, me and my buddies heard that there were frames where it was missing. And I was so mad. I was like, no, no, there's no frames where they're missing. Because I was a I was a diehard little 11 year old, you know. <laughs> um, and so sure enough, we we played the video. And when the T-Rex fights the Velociraptors. Um, spoiler alert, he fights the Velociraptors or she fights the <laughs> Oh yeah, this isn't spoil free guys. You need to oh, okay, watch yeah, that's right. that's right. <laughs> good, good. good. Um, so when it's fighting the raptors, so the T-Rex head, and I don't know if the rest of the body, but the head was a prop. That was an actual thing that they made. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every shot that it's in, it's always there. But the Velociraptors, those were all CGI. Oh, okay. And, Cause they're like yeah. faster. It's like, how do you... Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And so there's a when they're fighting, if you go frame by frame, there's moments where the velociraptors just aren't even there. Wow. There's like a whole frame. They're just not present. And then the next frame, they're there again. And then a few frames later, they're gone again. And I was like, 
when I was a little 11 year old, I was like, what? You know, like I had no concept. This, this film taught me a lot, I guess, as a, as a 12 year old or 11 year old about, you know, the, the magic of movies and like, right. you know, just what all they could get away with. Cause I, I didn't believe you could have a frame without the monster in it, but there legitimately were frames where the velociraptors just weren't there. And for you kids at home, it's pretty impressive that David was able to do that on VHS. Just saying. <laughs> I'm sure that was not easy to capture. <laughs> no. Yeah, me and my friends were sitting there like, play pause, play pause, <laughs> real quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, you're right, because they, they did not make it easy back then to go frame by frame. Whereas nowadays, it's trivial. You can just be like, hey, YouTube, make it go frame by frame for me. So I feel like when I was reading about this or watching this movie again and researching it, it's weird how you'll forget stuff and just remember and be like, how did I forget that I was this into this movie? But um, I read the book. Did you read the book? Oh, yeah. No, I totally did because I watched the movie. Yeah. You, you know, that's the I think that's the first book I've read because of the movie. Yeah. And it, it was a big book. And I mean, I was like a child. I was like nine or 10 and I read the whole thing. I remember being so impressed with myself. I was like, look at me. I read an adult book. It's about yeah, dinosaurs, yeah. but. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And I remember going through that, like, this book is way different than the movie, you know, because you're a kid, yeah. you don't, you don't know those things when you're a child. So that was a big eye opener for me that, yeah. oh, the book is way different, you know. Mm-hmm. Hammond dies. Yeah. <laughs> and I think in the second book, he had to rewrite it so that Hammond didn't die. Oh, really? <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, like he had to do a whole bunch of stuff for the second book to make make room for the movie. Um, well, yeah. Well, I was reading that Michael Crichton, I mean, he's mainly speaking through, this is probably not a surprise, but Ian Malcolm or Jeff Goldblum's character. Um, yeah. And so, you know, he's... Uh, Apparently, you know, he wears all black and then the the opposite of him is Hammond, the owner of the park who wears all white and they're mm-hmm. kind of at odds. And Hammond was more, I think, of a bad guy in the book, um, too, from what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. He was kind of um, what he was kind of schemy. Yeah. In, um, in the way that he treated the dinosaurs and what he expected out of them. Mm hmm. And all that stuff. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But it's kind of funny to me that Michael Crichton was like, oh, I'm totally Jeff Goldblum. It's like, mm, sure. <laughs> He's like, I relate most to the good looking mathematician. It's like mm-hmm. the smartest, yeah, best his... looking character in the movie. That's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely the, the, the Ubermensch Uber in the movie. That's absolutely me with his shirt open. Right. Wound, wounded leg. Can't actually help anybody, but still has that dry, cool wit to right. <laughs> cast about as he will. Yeah. Well, uh, we already kind of talked a little bit about Steven Spielberg, but uh, can I give you a quiz? Are you cool with that? Oh, my gosh. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. I think I'm okay. ready. This, yeah. this started with um, an episode that Karen and I did on Indiana Jones, and she actually asked if she could guess these. And so she guessed them, and then the next time we did an episode, she tried again. So... Here's what it is. Steven Spielberg has 10 movies nominated for Best Picture. Just nominated. But there's 10 of them. Do you think you can name all 10? And I've got them in front of me, so I'll mark them off, and I'll tell you how you score. What? Yep. <laughs> okay. You can do um, this, David. You can do this. They're, oh, it's gosh. Steven Spielberg, so they're really popular movies. 
Yeah. All right. Um, and these are uh, best picture. He was the director of or. Yes, yes. He, OK. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. I didn't throw in any curveballs. It's just some just the ones he directed. And it's just for best picture. All right. Um, let's see here. I'm going to go with uh, Schindler's List because that's easy. Yep. Um, and then I don't think that he was known when he did Duel. So I'm going to say no to that. No, um, yeah. Nope, not that one. Let's go with Jaws 1. Yep. Okay. And uh, let's see here. Oh, gosh. See, I'm, I'm bad at this because I uh, – let's see here. No, that would have been a documentary. Um, think of some real crowd pleasers that he did. You might be surprised. I think the Academy has sort of evolved over the years and picked – more stuff like Schindler's List, but he had some kind of like Jaws, big ones that that yeah, like, nominated. Did he do? Did he do the Goonies? He funded the Goonies, but he didn't direct oh, it, and that one okay. wasn't nominated. Let's see here. Then I'm going to go with definitely the Indiana Jones, maybe like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yep. Okay. Uh, e. T. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Hook. Didn't he do Hook? He did do Hook. That was not nominated for Best Picture. Ah, uh, all right. Yeah. See, now I'm just naming Spielberg movies I remember. <laughs> right, right. And and it's kind of tough, especially when you go back, because it's like <laughs> you're naming the ones like like we were kids. So it's like yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, he did a Minority Report, right? He did do Minority Report, but that was not nominated. Um, yeah, fair. It's so many movies. That's what also See, what makes I'm, it tough. Yeah, and I, it's it's troubling because I'm a I'm a sci-fi like nerd, so like I'm thinking of all the sci-fi movies that I saw him do. Um, there, there's some war movies on this list. Okay, um, let's see here. How about uh, did he do Saving Private Ryan? Yep, that was okay. That's a, yep definitely uh, that's got to be on the list. Um, yep, and then he did. Um, let's see here. E.T. You got that one already? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Sounds like it's something I would have said already. Yeah. See, I. No worries. She, yeah, you're, you're at the same man. point that she was. And if I didn't have this list in front of me, <laughs> I would be at the same point. He just directed so many movies that, uh, it's hard to remember all of them, but I'll, I'll read the, the other off to you. So you, you scored yeah. one, two, three, four, five. So that's pretty good. You got half. Oh, of okay. Woof. Um, <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take 50%. That's great. Right? And these other ones you may not have known were nominated. I didn't personally. So the other ones are, so let me read them in order of how, when they came out. So 10 movies that Steven Spielberg uh, did that were not, or directed that were nominated for best picture, Jaws, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., The Color Purple, Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, Munich, War Horse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Munich is so good. I have never seen it. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my I feel, gosh. I feel like after Saving Private Ryan, I don't know what happened. I just kind of dropped off. But um, but yeah, he did Munich, War Horse, Lincoln, and Bridge of Spies. Oh wow! So he okay? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, some of those I forgot that he did. Like I forgot that. Wow. Yeah. But I mean, ten movies nominated for Best Picture. That's pretty intense. It's that's yeah. why like sometimes people say things like. Oh well, you know Steven or Steven Spielberg had his heyday. I'm, you know, I'm just not into his movies anymore. And I'm, I'm like, okay, cool. But I mean, 
his career, I mean, he doesn't have to make any more good movies. No, like, but yeah. the other thing is that, like, so he's formative. Like, he made so many movies in the same time frame as, like, Lucas and um, uh, uh, Sidney Lumet and all these other guys that made movies that now kids study in school, right? Right. And these guys were – they were the first wave of film school directors. So uh, Spielberg and all those other guys, they all went to film school and started making movies with you know, formal uh, 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 writing uh, literature-type approaches behind their belts and like really paying attention to the sound design and how you tell the story in the, in a movie setting. And there's – they put in all these little Easter eggs from – old school movies like Battleship Potemkin and all this stuff. And he sprinkles that kind of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And, and so do a bunch of other people. Um, and it's because they're that film school stock. Of, right. Uh, that first wave of kids that went to film school and then became movie makers. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah that's so true. I, he's yeah. I, you know, I, I agree that Spielberg is kind of, he's very safe from mm-hmm. a director perspective. You know, he's, he's very middle of the road, but, Dang, he's good. Right, <laughs> you know? right. He, he does, does blockbusters, but they're good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and actually, that's one of the things I really like about this movie. You know, with Jurassic Park and all the characters and all that kind of stuff, he's really good at all of these characters have their own motivations, mm-hmm. right? They're all clearly individuals. You know, some movies you get this kind of sense that rah rah rah, everybody's in it for the same end goal. But right. even in Jurassic Park, you get a sense that. You know, the lawyer has his angle. Hammond has a different angle. You know, Malcolm is is there to kind of splash cold water on everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, uh, and Grant and, and Ellie, like, they're there to be the kind of mom and dad in a way of the set. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I don't know. Like, it, it's just very clear that everybody's got their own angles. They've all got their own agendas. And they've all got their own growth arcs. Mm-hmm. In the movie, and I, I think it takes somebody like Spielberg to say, "Yeah, this is what we're doing," and I don't care. We're going to spend what thirty minutes on Act One. Yeah, and I think by giving them all those perspectives, it adds an element of realism because in real life, when an, a big event goes down, people do have different perspectives. And if you only showed one perspective, I think as the audience, we would be asking maybe questions like the lawyer asked or questions like Malcolm asked or questions like Hammond, like you see it from different points of view. So you kind of need to see that in the movie in order to make it feel like grounded, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and Spielberg is really good about including kids into yeah. his movies, especially around that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so definitely as a kid, like that helped me grasp onto it. And I, I definitely identified with both the kids cause I was sure. a dino kid like the boy and I liked computers like the girl. I was like, Oh man, this is so cool. You know? Mm-hmm. And now as an adult, I'm like, Oh yeah, I totally see where Malcolm's coming from and, and Grant and, and Ellie and even Hammond, you know, like I can, I identify with those characters more now as an adult yeah. than I did, you know, than I do the kids. But when I was a kid, man, those, those kids really spoke to me. Yeah, and without the kids, I mean, I don't know that I would have had the same connection to the movie because, I mean, yeah, you're at. I was around the same age. I, I even found out the little boy was literally born the same year I was. What? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, 
you know, to me, I, even as a kid, I saw him as a little kid, but I guess he was my age. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, that really helped me connect with the movie and the kids don't feel like they weigh the movie down. They don't feel superfluous. The, the, um, adults aren't constantly saving them. Like Spielberg found a way to make also the female character, the female paleontologist, like everybody in the movie has their moment of like bravery, unless they're the lawyer or the IT guy. Um, and so that, that gives us everybody something to kind of grab onto, you know, it's not Sam Neill running around saving everybody. It's like, everybody's (laughs) having to, to pitch in kind of, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I really like, I, you know, it, even though Ellie is the only girl in the whole movie, um, I agree. Like she had to hold her own. She had her own firm position, strong positions in the philosophical discussions they were having. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's this scene where um, Ellie is talking to Hammond. You know, everything's gone to crap. The, the park is going down. Mm-hmm. And Hammond is like, you know, next time, next time this will be better. You know, IT was a mistake. Automation was a mistake. We're, you know, and Ellie's like, you are missing the point. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not, people are dying out here. We have to save the people we love. Right. Right. Yeah. Literally his own grandkids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like he's already talking about his second park and she's like, no, your grandkids are at risk here. And the very next scene, um, who was it? I, I think it was Samuel L. Jackson was saying, hey, I'm not going to do this. And Hammond was like, there are people dying out there. Like she got to him. Mm-hmm. You know, she spoke to him and he heard it and and changed his tune in the very next scene, which I love. I love that about the way Spielberg put those guys together and said, no, your characters are going to learn throughout this movie and they're going to be different on the back end. Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody's going to use, you know, you're right. Like people identify with that um, and they identify with the growth that those characters make because the characters aren't static. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're they're in the middle of a, of a harrowing situation. They better be different on the back end. I have something random and maybe I don't know, maybe I'm really reading into this. But, you know, Hammond in the book was pretty much evil in this movie. He's pretty relatable and he's just sort of grasping and holding on to like a dying dream. I mean, it's you. I actually, as an adult, especially, I genuinely felt sorry for him when he mm. was realizing it was all over. I mean, it was like something that he'd poured all his passion into, and it's all about to be over. And I kind of got this weird feeling like, is this sort of Steven Spielberg? Like, is this sort of a like when a director has a big passion a movie project and it doesn't go well like maybe he puts so much heart into that character because he kind of knows what that's like because you know sometimes you make a movie and it bombs yeah uh, might be reaching but I just no, kind of wondered if that was like in there a little bit I, I even as a kid I always like I think I didn't really even know what Steven Spielberg looked like and I kind of always pictured that maybe he was similar hmm. <laughs> yeah sure no I, I can see that like I think that you know, Michael Crichton, he needs a bad guy and mm-hmm. he needs a clear villain, right? A human villain. Right. And, and Spielberg, when he's making the movie, he's like, you know what? The dinosaurs are villain enough. Now, they're unwitting. They didn't ask to be here, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they get 
a moral pass, but they are monsters and they are going to eat you. So like right. they're terrifying. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so Hammond doesn't have to be malicious. He can be foolish. Yeah. You know, a little arrogant, a little over overzealous in his dreams. But yeah, I think that you're right there. There's something about um, a creator like Spielberg looking at another creator like Hammond and saying, yeah. you know, he's not bad. He's just, you know, in over his head. Right. And let's 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 play him that angle and right. let's make him just in over his head. And he and to your point, he doesn't even realize he's over his head until until everything's falling apart, you know, and he's right. got he's got Ellie sitting across the table from him saying, no, you are missing the point. Then he realizes, oh, yeah, OK, I've I need to reset my priorities here. And yeah. I think you're right. Like, I, I, I hope that Spielberg had that or whoever wrote the screenplay yeah. had that that thought of, you know, let's not make him malicious. Let's make him foolish. And that's yeah. OK. Because I think even as a kid, I picked up on that he wasn't evil. And also I'm always kind of looking for the director in movies because mm. I listened to uh, a podcast a while back. I don't know that's even out anymore, but. Um, they were reviewing uh, The Prestige and oh. how Christopher Nolan often makes movies where the structure is kind of about filmmaking and that movie is like, and I didn't notice that watching it, but when I listened to the review and they explained each part of it, um, how that whole movie is sort of about the art of filmmaking, how it's a deception, how it's a, all these different things. Um, and that he has that reoccurring theme. So like now I can't help but like look for that. Like I thought that was so cool that now when I watch movies, I always wonder, I'm like, is the director putting himself in this story somehow? Can I find that somewhere? So segueing from uh, Steven Spielberg, let's talk a little bit about the actors. Unless do you have anything more to touch on? Do you have any more uh, quick facts about him? Uh, no, I no, okay. just, cool, cool, cool. yeah, he, he's awesome. And I could talk yeah. forever about him and so I'll stop. <laughs> same, same. And, and like, I, I guess we've covered, oh man, now I'm going to have to remember at least two or three of his movies already. So it's kind of like, if you listen to this re uh, regularly, you're going to hear the same facts over there. <laughs> so yeah. we'll segue well, into the other actors. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Sounds good. Okay. So let's start with Sam Neill. Um, you know, obviously he's had a really long, great career you remember him from Leap of Faith, Hunt for oh, yeah. the Red October. Uh, I threw this in there because uh, one of my friends mentioned it, Event Horizon. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. <laughs> I love Event Horizon. Now, I, okay, I actually hate horror movies. Oh, really? With the except, yeah, I, I, I get scared easy. I don't like being afraid, so I just uh, don't like horror movies. But for whatever reason, I like Event Horizon. I like The Abyss. I like Jurassic Park. I don't know. Maybe it's like sci-fi makes it okay or yeah, something. It's, it's I, less likely to happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But a serial killer movie, I'm out. I don't want to be any anywhere near it, you know. But uh, yeah. sci-fi, okay, great. Um, was he in oh, Was he in A Simple Plan? Uh, I don't know if I've seen that. Possibly. Oh, man. Okay. I, I could be off. off oh, no there, worries. So. I um, I noticed from doing some of the other podcasts that Sam Neill's name came up a lot. I mean, he was a big star at the time. But mm -hmm. he was considered also one of the actors considered to be um, 
Indiana Jones. And I did feel like watching this movie again now, there is sort of a like a faint connection, I feel like, between him and Harrison Ford. I don't know if it's their ages, but it's like their acting style was kind of similar. And also, you don't normally see Sam Neill. He's not always a good guy in every movie. But right. in this movie, he is. And I was like... I could totally see Harrison Ford in this role, although Harrison Ford disagrees. <laughs> but <laughs> of course, I, yeah, well, he better because he's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's the man, yeah. But he but kind no, of yeah, there is a similarity there in this in the take on this character. You know, and there's a there's a way that that he and Harris um, that they carry themselves just mm-hmm. as 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 people in the world. It is similar. You know, yeah. like they, they have strong jaws, they, they walk with purpose, and you can see that in a lead hero role like Indiana Jones mm-hmm. between the two of them. Right. You know? Also, um, his con- like his, uh, you know, when he first meets the kids, he doesn't like them. That's his big story arc is by the end yeah. of the movie, he loves these kids and he wants to start a family. But at the beginning, Ellie is trying to convince him. And he has some moments with the kids where there's some banter or which car are you getting in? And he gets in the other car and the kids <laughs> follow him around. Yeah. yeah. And that's such a Harrison Ford thing to do. Which car are you getting in that one? Okay. Just yeah. shut the door on him and go in the other car. So yeah, I just exactly. kind of thought about that. I also read he's going to be uh, in Thor Ragnarok. So what? look forward to that. Yeah. There's so oh, many awesome. people in that movie. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. But I saw that. So I, I really do like his character in this movie. I will say it's a, it is a little bit different than Harrison Ford because I think maybe what, what Harrison Ford meant was Sam Neill does a good job of playing the um, – he's a little more intellectual and maybe a little easier to buy as a paleontologist uh, than mm-hmm. Indiana Jones is as a professor, which I think works for this movie because, like you said, there's a lot of exposition and, and jargon um, that yeah. we don't know. And so you have to have somebody that you know you believe – knows all that. And I feel like in this movie, I, I believe that Sam Neill is a paleontologist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and, you know, he has enough of a, of a, like a kind of a soft, a softness to him mm-hmm. that you, you feel like, Oh yeah, sure. He's, he's studied, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, but he still has enough of a swagger for me to think, okay, he does get out into the field and he is, you know, athletic enough to run across, you know, a couple of football fields. And you kind of have to do that if you're going to be in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Um, And and there's an element of danger with him. Like if it's Harrison Ford, I'm like, he's got this. He's Han Solo. He can do it. But with (laughs) Sam Neill, I'm like, I believe he's in danger. (laughs) Touch and go. Touch and go. (laughs) It's like, I don't know if I would believe that uh, Harrison Ford could be eaten by a T-Rex, but I believe Sam Neill could. So, yeah. You know, when the when the truck is coming off the the bridge, it's it's being pushed Mm -hmm. and Sam Neill has the girl and he's trying to reach for that cable. Oh, God. He doesn't doesn't make it the first time. And you think, oh, Sam, come on, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I believe in you. But. Ford, you know, Ford would have grabbed that the first time. You know, right. you're like, no, this is, this is dumb to be on this cable. I'm going to be on this other one over here. <laughs> right, know? right, right. We're too used to seeing him uh, succeed, I think. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, we're used to him, like, shooting first. We're used to him being decisive. And so Sam, we can say, ah, maybe Sam's character is uh, can make a few mistakes, and that makes it dangerous, which is good. For sure. And then kind of segueing into his partner, the other, you know, lead paleontologist of the movie, Laura Dern, who plays um, Ellie. Is that right? Yeah, Ellie. Yeah, Ellie. Um, I was reading about her a little bit, and I didn't realize she was in all these things. She was in 
The Fault in Our Stars, uh, Wild at Heart. She's she's in two Lynch movies, Wild at Heart and Blue Velvet. Oh, I did that's not cool. realize that. And then she's gonna be apparently in The Last Jedi. <laughs> so that's look awesome. forward to seeing her uh this December. Um You know where I remember her was uh the Fockers series. Oh yeah. That comedy series. Yeah, uh-huh. that's I remember seeing her there. Uh <laughs> so okay, question for you. Sure. Are they dating in the movie? Huh. Well, I got the sense yeah, they don't they don't make it clear. There's no like love scene and I guess right. in the beginning they're not really at a house, they're at like an office. Right, they're like she's his assistant or something like that, you know, like yeah. she's his um uh doctorate understudy or something like I I forget what it was, but she was she reported to him. Okay, okay. I think I didn't pick up on that, but you're right. I mean, she talks about starting a family, but maybe she's just saying, I would like to start a family, wouldn't you? And teasing right. him versus saying, hey, you need to get serious and start one. Right. Well, and there's that. So there's another scene where Grant and Malcolm are together. And Malcolm is, you know, uh, she'd make a great yes. uh, ex, ex-Malcolm. And, you know, he goes kind of on and on about how he'd like to hook up with her. And, and Grant makes a sound. Malcolm looks at him and goes, oh, are you two? And Grant says, yeah. And Malcolm drops it, you know, believing that they're together. But I don't see any other time where there's even a hint of romance between them. Right. I feel like Malcolm was also doing that on purpose. I think he could tell. I don't know. Maybe that's that's one reading of it is maybe he could tell there was tension between them and he knew he could poke him into a response. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, sure, sure. And, you know, my other read on that was Grant was maybe like looking out for looking out for her going, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that we're together just so this guy that's kind of creeping me out doesn't (laughs) go and, you know, make her life miserable or something like that. But I don't know. Like, that's always something that's interesting to me. You know, when I watched the movie uh, more recently, I was looking at that going, I don't know that they're actually dating. And I agree. Like, there is some kind of tension there a little bit, you know, a possibility of of dating. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I, I guess that was one of my questions of, you know, I wanted to get your take on are they dating? Because it's not clear at all. I kind of thought they were, but uh, he is noncommittal is how I read it. Like, I mean, in the movie, he's trying to work that out in his mind. Like, kids are just not mm-hmm. a possibility. And I think along with kids is marriage or a commitment. And uh, mm-hmm. he even asked Malcolm, like, hey, you're a cool, handsome guy. Like, do you have kids? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> and, and he's so surprised by that. And he's like, are you married? And he's like, sometimes. Like, I think it's making, yeah. It's like. It makes a mockery of his entire problem, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like he's so afraid of it. And yet this guy who, you know, he's, it's almost like this guy's further along in life. Of course, I don't believe that you have to have kids to be further along in life. I don't have kids. But it is a milestone that he's afraid of. And when he meets somebody else who's so independent and you know free-spirited that's done it i think it makes him rethink it like hmm, maybe a commitment isn't the loss of my identity like i think it is because i feel like that's i mean that's one fear going in sure but but then there's another message to that right Mm -hmm. of you don't have to be afraid of the commitment but don't get hold don't get attached to it either right 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 Right, because malcolm is a serial uh family maker i don't know what you call him i know (laughs) 
when he says that, you're like, okay. Wow, yeah. And as a kid, you know, I didn't understand any of that stuff. But certainly as an adult, I was like, oh, wow. I mean, you know, we're, the times we live in is, is, is uh, pretty forward thinking. But even that is like, oh, wow, I don't know about getting married a whole bunch and having a whole bunch of different families and having no intention of holding on to any one marriage. It's like, yeah. oh, wow. It sounds like kind of a nightmare to have all those children and fragmented marriages. But hey, yeah. whatever works. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Malcolm makes it work somehow. Yeah, yeah and he, is, he even says something like, "Oh, yeah, it's it's total chaos. I love it." Yeah. It's like this fear that Sam Neill has of maybe losing control. It's like this guy just gives into it, kind of thing. Yeah, well, yeah. he's a he's a chaotician. He's yeah. not a mathematician. He's a chaotician. I, I or love whatever. that line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So okay, that's another thing I really love about this movie is like. All of the lines that we still hark back to, you know, like life will find a way. That's Malcolm's line. Um, You know, um, gosh, there's a bunch of other stuff in there that just keeps coming back up. Like um, Sam Neill's character with with a, a triceratops. Mm -hmm. And that becomes a big meme. And like all the Jeff Goldblum memes that are out there because of Jurassic Park and and Jurassic Park 1. You know, he was yeah. in other Jurassic Parks and they were in Jurassic Park 3 again, Grant and Ellie. But mm-hmm. it's always Jurassic Park 1 <laughs> that gets all the lines, all the memes, all the cultural references all go back to Jurassic Park 1. Yep, yep. I, and uh, to kind of segue into talking about Jeff Goldblum, I mean, you know, this was kind of, I feel like at the height of his career, he did this and then Independence Day. Oh, and yeah. He was just kind of like that go to. Uh, you know, just nerdy enough to where you believe he's a scientist, but good looking enough to be a leading actor. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He had done uh, The Fly. I love right The Fly. This. I love yeah. The Fly. It's a good Oh, movie. man. So sad. <laughs> yeah. It's a bummer, but it's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, you're right. Like, he has this. I guess he in the 90s was the sexy, smart guy. Yep. Yep. I remember me and my mom both had a big crush on him. Oh, that's fun. That's awesome. <laughs> I feel that's like great. maybe I still do. He's he's kind of a silver fox now. I'm 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 fine with it. Um, nice. Yeah, he's aging well. That's he's good. Aging that's well, good. yeah. He was also uh, I think his first movie with Earth, Earth Girls Are Easy. Have you ever seen that? Oh wow! I think I did. I feel like I've seen it, but it's been a while. And then also The Big Chill, which was like a big kind of coming of age, like. Uh, it's, it, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like a, a movie where it's a bunch of people, I think, that went to high school together. And then mm. they kind of get back together for one weekend and they're all in the same house. And it's like, imagine if you got to go to your high school reunion, but instead of a high school reunion, you're all in a cabin together. And so like all this like stuff comes up, you know, ex-girlfriends, ex-boyfriends, uh, ten, you know, tension and bringing up old memories and things like that. It's, it's a pretty huh. cool movie. Um, but yeah, that was, I think that was one of his, his biggest breaks, one of his earlier films. That's cool. Yeah. But he, he was a, I saw he was in a TV movie. I really want to see um, tour tour to pharmacy. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. All about the uh, uh, doping and the cycling world and all that stuff. I, I really want to see that. Cause I think he plays like the drug dealer or one of the bad guys and, I, I think right now where he's at, that that fits perfectly. Yeah, and I love whenever he's in any of the uh, like Wes Anderson movies. I feel like his oh, personality yeah. plays really well to that. He's also yeah. going to be in Thor too. I mean, he was in uh, Guardians. 
Oh, no, 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 he wasn't. That was Benicio del Toro. But yeah, no, he, he was in Guardians. He was oh, in Guardians was too. Oh, okay, cool, cool. I couldn't remember. Yeah. But yeah, he's going to be in in Thor as well. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, so oh, that's so two, cool. Two actors from this movie that will be in that movie. <laughs> you, you know what I found out in all this research that they're making a, another Jurassic World. What? <laughs> called well, Fallen Kingdom, and guess who's going to be in it? Who? Ian, Ian McKellum. What? That's hilarious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome. So did, did Steven Spielberg direct Jurassic World or did he just fund it? No, know? he did He did the first two Jurassic. So he did oh, Jurassic, okay, okay, Park, okay. Jurassic. Was that Jurassic World? Was the second one? No, Jurassic World is the newest one with Chris Pratt. Okay. What was the second one then? Jurassic. I want to say it's the one where I don't remember the name of it, but like, isn't that the one where um, it mainly centers on Jeff Goldblum and his daughter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the the T Rex makes it to San Francisco or something like that. That <laughs> sounds right. And like, and I think that was the deal. Like Spielberg said, "Okay, I'll come back and do this, but you got to give me the dinosaur in a city. I got to like run around and and blow stuff up, and you're gonna pay for all that." And they said, "Okay, man. Yeah, you know sure. what to do. Yeah. Do your thing." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love I love Malcolm in this movie. I mean, I think I mean, obviously I probably connected more to the kids as a child, but as an adult sure. he's like my favorite because I while I'm not a mathematician, um I do feel like him in this movie where he's not as active as the other characters. He's mostly just injured and I'm like that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just my luck. I get injured first sign of a dangerous dinosaur. I'm down. Yep. And all I can do is just fill in some helpful hints here and there, you know. Yeah. Plus I yeah. love his speech like when uh to to uh to Hammond about chaos theory and all that stuff. It's pretty cool. Well, the last actor that I have listed that I want to talk about is uh the actor uh that played Hammond, which is Richard Attenborough. Um I did not realize when I was researching about him, it seems like he's more notable as a director actually than as an oh. actor. Um, for instance, he directed Anthony Hopkins in five different films oh, and wow. he actually won best picture. Get this over ET when he <gasps> directed Gandhi. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's man. And, and to go from, cause that would have been, Right before Jurassic Park, right? Yeah, it was 1982. Well, okay, I guess it was 10 years before. Dang it. <laughs> oh, okay. Ah, oh, dang. Yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah. But but still, to go from like I lost to you, and now I want you in my movie because you're the right guy. And he kept asking him back, like uh, when he directed Hook, he wanted um, Richard Attenborough to be uh, Tootles. See, see, I remembered him as um, as Chris Kringle. Oh yes, on, uh, Miracle of 34th Street. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I That's, do remember that, that. I think that was the maybe the when I was a kid, maybe that was the first time I recognized an actor from one movie to the next because I'd seen Jurassic Park so much, mm-hmm. you know, and I remember Hammond because he makes it all the way. Right. Um, right. Right. You know. You know. Embarrassingly, as a kid, I don't remember Samuel L. Jackson you because know what? he died. I had the same exact reaction. Yeah. 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 It, it's an unfortunate trope, you know, like the black guy has to die first. Pretty much. And, and he doesn't die first, but he sure ain't last, you know? No <laughs> like, kidding. Wait. And he's not playing his traditional kind of over-the-top theatrical self. Yeah, he's I like think a, that's another reason why you don't remember he's in it. Yeah, he's like a an operations man or something like that, yeah. you know? Yeah, he's loosely affiliated with IT, but he's not as knowledgeable as Newman. 
which mm-hmm. I don't remember the actor's real name. So I'm just, is, is it Newman in the, it's no, I'm thinking of Seinfeld, but yeah. <laughs> I don't remember his yeah. real name. <laughs> um, uh, what is it? A uh, Wayne? Wayne. Wayne that's right. It's Wayne in the movie. I remember, you know, what other weird memory just popped into my head watching this is I had a, um, remember back in the day when you had a computer and everybody was really into like their screensavers yeah. or just like customizing your computer sounds. I uh-huh. had, I had a, a program that had a, a screensaver with like Raptors that would pop out. Yes. And then like oh when God. I click different buttons, it played si- sound bites from the movie specifically. Yes. Things that Wayne said like, oh. That's not the magic word and things like that. <laughs> oh my God. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> that's so cool. Cause I forever, you know, T-Rexes now sound like the T-Rex in Jurassic Park to me, you know, same yeah. with Velociraptors, same with all of those dinosaurs mm-hmm. and definitely. Oh, that's so great. I love that, that you had a, a computer customization that was Jurassic Park themed. That's just awesome. I don't even understand like how I got that. I don't know if my dad bought that for me or if he came into it somehow. <laughs> but like somebody he worked funny. with had yeah. it and he was like, oh, cool. My daughter would love this. Yeah. It's just yeah. something random. And because like I was watching the movie and, you know, like there would be certain lines and I'm like, why do I feel like I heard that line like a hundred times? And then I was like, oh, yeah. My computer program. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep, yeah. Yep. Well, we kind of touched on all the actors, the directors, the facts. Um, let's get into the plot. What What are your favorite scenes from this movie? Like, what are the biggest scenes for you? So, okay, there's there's two parts to this, really. There's, like, Kid David <laughs> and, like, <laughs> Kid David's favorite scenes and Adult David's favorite scenes, yeah. you know? Um, so, like, when I was a kid, I loved the... Uh, the scene where he's like pulling the embryos out of the, the chiller, mm-hmm. you know, cause I was like, Oh man, that's intense. You know, like it all looks so delicate. Uh-huh. And, and he had the, uh, he had that like cool, like shaving can thing. I, I didn't understand what that was, but I knew like, I knew it was something I'd seen around that, yeah. that shaving can. So I knew, Oh, it's like a super secret way to hide the stuff. Um, and then uh, probably my, my biggest scene as a kid was the the kitchen scene yes yes <laughs> where like the kids are it's just the kids versus really smart terrifying hunters you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and i just i just loved that because like the girl and the boy get separated at one point and she like she she draws the dinosaurs to him to save her brother's life yeah it's really you know, sweet and it's so intense. And it was just like, that was one of the scenes that I could make it through because the kids were involved. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, the kids are in here. I can be in here with them. And so like I identified with their trickery, with the the reflection. Yeah. You know, where she's trying to pull down and the dinosaurs are like, all right, we're going to hit this hard and we're going to eat these kids. And she's like, haha, that was a reflection. Like I identified with that as all clever, you know. And, but it's possible uh, too. It's not like these kids were just doing things that kids wouldn't normally do. Like I, I like that in the movie, these children they make mistakes, they mess up, yeah. they they put right. themselves in worse situations. It makes it yeah. a little more believable, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like him getting shocked on the fence when mm-hmm. the when when he couldn't, he was so afraid of heights he couldn't jump down. Yeah. Um, uh, I definitely identified with that as a kid because I I I was and probably am still afraid of heights. 
Yeah, I, um, think, I think I would not enjoy climbing a turned off electric fence. And, <laughs> yeah, right. everything about that scene still seems terrifying to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the scene right before that is probably my second favorite scene where they are they're in a field. They're just kind of walking. It's daytime. They're just walking along. And uh, there's these like, I don't know, some sort of like fast dinosaur running along the field. Yes, yes. And and like I liked that because the dinosaurs moved like birds and mm-hmm. it felt like, oh, there's this cool thing that we're figuring out. And the and the kids are kind of like getting sucked back into oh, it's fine. Everything's safe. You know, like, sure, these these things are kind of scary, but I'm just going to get out of their way. And then, boom, here comes T-Rex, you know, mm-hmm. just to spoil the whole thing for everybody. And as a kid, I loved that. That was the right yeah. kind of surprise for me, you know, because I didn't have all this tension making me anxious before it hit. It just right. came. And before that, I got this cool, like, sense of, oh, I can kind of understand how dinosaurs think, you know, because they're, they're moving like birds. Um, and, like, that whole moment was just so cool because I identified with the boy wanting to sit there and watch Right. Because the mm-hmm. boy's like, oh, there's so much blood. I got to watch this. And, the, and Grant's like, come on, we're out of here. <laughs> like, yeah. we got to go. <laughs> you know, like, I love that. That was that was probably one of the scenes where I was like, oh, man, that's just the, that was such a well done scene that as a kid, whenever I thought back about Jurassic Park, I thought about the kitchen scene and I thought about the dinosaurs running in the field. Yep, I, I have to agree. So what are your two adult ones? You said um, those were your kid ones. Did you have it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so my adult one um, is, I think my favorite scene now is that moment between uh, Hammond and Ellie. Mm-hmm. When Hammond's vision is, is gone. He doesn't know it yet. And he's grasping on next, next time, next time, you know. And she grounds him like we've talked about that scene a couple of times today. Yeah. And that was just such a such an adult scene, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I as a kid, I didn't understand what was going on there at all. And I, I glossed right over it. But as an adult, I empathize with both those people, yeah. you know, like you're the thing you've you've worked your hardest on is gone and you're not you're not over it yet. And you and then as Ellie's position, you know, you've come into scenes before you've come into moments before where everybody's in crisis. You don't have a financial stake in anything that's going on. So you have a sense of clarity over what's really important now, mm-hmm. you know, like a car accident. You know, sure. you come in, somebody's had a car accident, you roll up and you know what matters right now is people's safety. Right. And there is totally going to be a guy on a cell phone talking to his lawyer. But, you know, safety is the priority right now. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Like that scene right now, that is the that is the car wreck scene. And yeah. and I that's my favorite scene right now as an adult. Oh, I, I love that. That's really good. I I don't think mine are as deep. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, no, but what are yours? Like, okay. I, I want to know. <laughs> so the, the couple of scenes that I that I really, really like. One of them is because this is kind of rambly, but so the exposition scene where they're uh, they ride that little ride and that's how they explain everything. Uh, My husband and I, Nick, uh, we were at I think it was Dragon Con and we were at a panel for Venture Brothers, um, Mm -hmm. which we're both big fans of that. And the creators, I don't remember how they got to talking about Jurassic Park, but they were both doing impressions of the cartoon 
and it was the little the little DNA guy, the Dano DNA. (laughs) And so now every time I watch the movie, I I think about that. But also, you know, it is such a brilliant way to speed through. And you kind of already touched on this. They speed through all the technical side of the dinosaurs very quickly. It's fun. It's very quick. um, And it's so exciting to the characters that they jump out of their seats, literally. So you never have your eyes glossed over. You're never bored because they give you just enough information. And then I think the characters are so enthusiastic and, and into that moment that you don't have time to get bored. And that's pretty smart. I mean, because otherwise it would have been like some guy just standing there going, well, first I do this and then I do that. And like, we've all seen movies like that where yeah. you're just like, oh my gosh, please get to the next scene. Like, yeah, it, yeah. It, well, I thought that was a really good scene because of that. Definitely. Well, and, and you know, that scene foreshadows a lot of things, right? right. Mm-hmm. Because Grant is excited because he sees the, 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 the egg chamber, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I've got to get in there. i got to see this. This is my life's work is in in this room. I have to go look at it. And he busts out of his restraints, right? Yeah. And, and and Malcolm is the first guy to say, is he supposed to do that? You know, like. Yeah, you're right. You That's know. a theme. Later, he jumps out of a car, a moving car. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, you're not supposed to do that. And then the dinosaurs get out, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the whole movie is these little moments where people are leaving, you know, uh, leaving their restraints. Right. As you as per usual, it's all our fault. I mean, the only thing Hammond couldn't predict was humans. I mean, his park worked perfectly. <laughs> yeah. the security was perfect. What's not perfect? Yeah. Us. Yeah. You know, he yeah. didn't count on Wayne. He didn't right. count on these people he brought to the island. And I mean, this right. is on a tiny scale. He has like five people there and things still go to, you know, right. shit immediately. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's exactly. like uh, it's just funny because. Because of that, yeah, yeah, you're so yeah. right. It foreshadow even the the frog thing. They throw that in there. I mean, just oh, yeah. all the information that you need to know later is yeah. in that scene. But it doesn't yeah. feel repetitive, and it doesn't feel mm-hmm. bogged down by it either. Yeah, and and you're right. That was such a fun little like it's a ride, and we're gonna have this fun little cartoon guy, you know, and it's yeah. like perfect. That's the right way to do exposition in a movie. Don't don't saddle some poor actor with that. Let's put right. a cartoon in the middle of our movie and, and get it done. Uh, yes. I, and so I love that scene for that. And then the second thing, I don't know, I'm probably going to go back and change my mind later, but something really cool that I read today was that uh, Steven Spielberg went back and reinserted one more T-Rex scene because oh. he realized after watching it that audiences were going to hate him if that T-Rex didn't come back one more time. And so he worked in that, that part where, you know, I mean, things are just breaking down. They're fighting those velociraptors or falling off of that skeleton. And then right when they're, it's the end, the T-Rex jumps in and eats one of them and attacks the other one and literally saves them. And then you have that really awesome scene where the T-Rex just like lets out a roar and that sign falls down. Yeah. I don't know why, but that scene at the end of the movie, is just like, really satisfying so it's it's really cool i mean he's a director but he could tell like this movie needs that and without that you're just gonna feel like well what happened to that t-rex and you know like there needs to be finality even if all the dinosaurs don't get eaten or stopped it's like you've got to kind of see that at the end and oh man that's so smart i didn't realize that that he 
that that scene wasn't originally in there because you're right it fits perfectly it's the it's the climax of the movie Mm -hmm. where monsters fight monsters and humans in all of our arrogance get to you know scrape away for another day yeah pretty much (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i think that's my second favorite scene like i said i don't know that it would be uh, if I hadn't read that, but I do know that for some reason as a kid and even as an adult, that part always stuck out to me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, it was, it was hard for me not to put that as one of my favorites just cause yeah. I was like, ah, oh, the kitchen scene's good. And the scene, but well, the you're kitchen right. The that... scene is huge. I mean, yeah, that would be my other one as a kid, that scene. I mean, that was like the most tension I'd ever seen in a movie basically. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. 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 And I, but you're right. That fight was so, important i couldn't imagine jurassic park without it like i even now knowing that it wasn't in the original screenplay i would have no idea how to even think of jurassic park without that fight at the very end yeah it's it's kind of tough to wrap up i mean when the whole movie sort of predicates on chaos how do you wrap it up at the end you know it's like (laughs) so i think that did a really good job of, of of doing that and then they just fly away and everyone's safe and you get that cute moment where Sam Neill has the children sleeping on him Mm -hmm. and, uh, and he's realizing, okay, I'm ready to start my life, which if I was Ellie, I would really question that because (laughs) it took him almost dying, (laughs) you know, to to decide to commit to her. I'd wait that out. You know, (laughs) I always think that when I watch movies where people get together during a disaster, I'm like, "Mm, you may want to wait on that. I don't know. It it may fizzle. Just saying. Yeah. Well, Talk to and, Malcolm and, first. Well, and well, she does get the satisfaction of being right. You true, know, like true. she 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 knew that he would like kids once he spent some time with them, and she was right. <laughs> and I definitely felt like Steven Spielberg as a director. I mean, you can really tell in his movies before and after he had kids. You know, like I feel like you can tell in this movie he's had kids by this point, and he's putting oh, that in the movie. I feel like that's interesting. That's could, smart. That's really cool. I, I didn't realize that. Um, that that probably the, even the age of his kids mattered. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, the other weird thing I noticed about the kids this watch, I asked Nick the same question. I said, is it eerie to you how similar that little girl looks to Ellie? <laughs> like, they look related almost. Huh. Maybe it's just the 90s, like how everyone's dressed in their hair. But I was like, they're literally both blonde. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like they're them somehow like, it's so <laughs> weird it's like they cast two little clones of the lead actors or something yeah you know i one thing just on a social note like i'm really happy that the girl was into computers yeah yeah even though as a little girl i was like well that's not me but <laughs> kudos yeah. to her but no you're right <laughs> I, I i think steven spielberg did a really good job of making the two female characters active like I, right. I even noticed this watching when Ellie, um, when Samuel L. Jackson goes missing, she's like, well, I'm not going to wait around. I'm going to go down there right now. And everyone's like, yeah. what? And it's like, yeah, because yeah, I feel like in real life, I mean, in a lot of those movies, like women are portrayed as just cowering in the corner and going, oh, yeah. I'll just wait yeah. for a man to do that. But in real yeah. life, women don't really do that. <laughs> right. Not anymore, right. at least. So, yeah. yeah so like well, everybody has their right. moment, you know, because all the guys are just waiting around like, man. Eh. Samuel L. He'll, he's got this, whatever. He's awesome. And she's like, nope, I don't feel good. I'm doing this. I'm like, yeah. all right. And Safari Man says, I'm coming with you. you yeah. And she has a bigger, well, not than Hammond, but she has a bigger stake than some of the other characters too, because I mean, it's her, 
the love of her life and those children. It's like all she can think about, you know? Right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the, um, uh, you know, there's something to be said for just plain old, like, uh, personal survival instinct, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I think that Malcolm was in the position of I'm injured. There's nothing I can do. So I'm going to let all these smart, capable people get me out of this situation that I told them was going to happen. Right. (laughs) Right. I mean, he had a fair point. Like, (laughs) sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He was right. And and getting right, being right on an Island that will kill you gets you nothing. Right. Right. (laughs) Because you're already on this Island. It's going to kill you. But, um, what's, uh, the safari, what was the safari guy's name? Gosh, you know, I always forget that he's in this movie because the only thing that ever stands out to me is what's become a meme, clever girl. Yeah. I can't remember his name. He's like, yes. <laughs> I feel like at one point in the script, maybe Sam Neill was both of those people or something. Like, I just, like, when I watched it again, I was like, oh, wait, it wasn't Sam Neill that says that? Like, I didn't even right. remember the hunter guy. He's yeah. the guy that's constantly pointing out, hey, they're pretty smart. Like, they're right. strategizing. Like, this right. is a issue, and Hammer's yeah. like, "Oh, it's fine." <laughs> yeah, well, uh, well, so I, you're right. They they do fill similar roles because um, Sam's character Grant he knows uh, from a fossil record what he presumes the raptors do, but this guy's been watching them. You know, he watched them eat a person in the right. very beginning of the movie, yeah. and so like he knows how they think. And that the big one's in charge and she's killed all the rest that weren't useful to her. You right. know, like he he has uh, applied knowledge <laughs> of the yeah. raptors, whereas Grant has theoretical eh, wishy-washy knowledge of, of raptors. That's true. Um, That's really yeah. true. Is he also the character – one of the characters says, hey, it could have been a lot worse. And he looks at him and like, like how that guy got eaten? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I can't remember. I think it might be after the lawyer scene. Yeah. Was it him or was it or was Samuel, it a, Samuel L. Jackson that it, said that? You know what? I think it was Samuel L. Jackson. But I like that line too. Yeah, yeah. Both those guys, man, they were they were just low enough in the in the hierarchy to not be critically important. But they had they they really saved Hammond's bacon. Yep. Um and uh yeah, I, I liked him and I liked I liked how he's like, well, if you're going, I'm going, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I know what's going on out here and I can't let you do this alone. Like I could let Samuel L. Jackson do it alone because he works here, but I can't let you do this alone. Um, and I, I dug on that. Like it's not a – I kind of read that as a – I work here, right? This is my – in a sense, I own the problem that's happening and you are a visitor, a guest. Mm-hmm. I can't let you – be alone in solving this problem because that just doesn't work <laughs> in, in, yeah. in my head, you know? Um, and I like that there was a moment there where Grant was not Grant. Um, Hammond was like, you really shouldn't be going to Ellie. You know, I yeah. should be going. And she's like, we'll get into this conversation later. Um, because I'm not having any part of, I can't do this or shouldn't do this. Cause I'm going to go do this. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I really, I, I dug on all that stuff. That was good. I also liked how the hunter guy, um, I think, you know, he, he points out some really 
pivotal or really important information about the Raptors. And yet it's quickly dismissed by Hammond, but also the other characters, they kind of gloss over it too. And I think Mm -hmm. they gloss over it because the hunter guy is so like, he's telling them how scary it is, but he also sounds kind of like not crazy, but obsessive. (laughs) So you're kind of like, I believe him, but I don't like they, they give him that edge of like, like he's kind of he's too into it yeah like he's a fanboy yeah yeah he's like isn't it cool how like i'm a hunter and they're a hunter and you know i feel like everyone's kind of like okay they're dinosaurs they're not human and then later it's like oh my gosh he's so right but by making him seem kind of crazy it gives the audience that permission to not believe him a little bit yeah yeah oh man that's so genius to be like yeah we're gonna make him just crazy enough that you you're forgiven to not listen to this guy, but he was right all along. Yeah. They did the same thing with Malcolm, really. Right. Malcolm kind of came off a little nutty. For sure. They always yeah. do in these movies. So, like, in real life, look out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the craziest person you know is right. Uh, the, the the mall ninja detective. He's the he's the guy who really knows the, the straight score. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever the, the Yoda of the situation is, yeah. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. exactly. But, yeah. Awesome. Well, are are there any other big scenes that you want to talk about? I know if you if you're having this fear of, oh my gosh, there's a scene that I'm going to forget and I'm going to remember it at midnight. Everybody yeah. has that. So, okay, don't worry good. About that. Yeah. But so I did have one last factoid. Oh, go for it. Um, so one of the things they had this the T-Rex head was a big animatronic head, right? Nice. Well, it it started acting up and it was huge. It was giant. It was, you know, it was it was big so they could shoot it uh, in a one to one scale with everything else. So it was as big as a T-Rex head. Right. Wow. And, and it was acting up. It was moving on its own. No, thank you. Right. Isn't that <laughs> terrifying? You have to act with this machine that just acts on its own. Turns out it was like uh, either rain or air moisture or something like that was setting it off. Yeah, so I think once, I heard about the rain thing, but I didn't hear about all this part. So that's that's yeah, really so, interesting. So once they figured that out, they could just, you know, schedule around it. But, you know, you got to think like I'm an actor and this giant metal thing <laughs> is obviously the guy who's running it, the puppeteer is like, uh, I don't know what, why it's doing this. <laughs> All right, now I'm going to get scared, right? Because yes, the guy who's is supposed to control this huge head is not in control anymore. Right. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's terrifying. Yeah. That is yeah. terrifying. I think I even, like, as a kid, I understood that they weren't real. Like, you know, I understood that. I, as a child, I thought they were all animatronic, all of them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I even had a couple bad dreams about, and you, you would see them, like, at museums. They would have, like, an animatronic dinosaur, you know? Oh, yeah. And I had a couple bad dreams specifically about a T-Rex animatronic dinosaur, like, coming to life and coming after me. So oh, thanks wow. a lot, David. Like, <laughs> that actually happened. That's terrifying. <laughs> Just the head, though. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, sorry, right, to, yeah. sorry to rekindle all those nightmares for you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um Man, this is this is really fun. Thank you so much for coming on here and and for doing this. I I think I just have actually a, a couple more questions for you. Um, yeah. Number one, and you've kind of already touched on this by by now. Everyone has when they when they get to this point. But what keeps you coming back to this movie? Like, why do you think you've seen it so many times? So for me, Jurassic Park hit 
at just the right age, right? I'm I'm going to remember this movie forever because it happened at the right age for me. And then it just keeps coming up. It just remains relevant in a in a lot of ways and it doesn't, you know, it helps that I'm active on various, you know, social media sites and memes galore, but like every time I watch this movie, I've watched it at different points in my life. And I get new information out of it. I identify with another character in a way I didn't before. You know, it, it's one of those movies that like has a lot of rewatchability because as you grow, you you identify with the the grown the more adult characters in the movie. And I mm-hmm. there's just something about that. It's like, wow, I'm kind of watching this movie again for the first time. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that because that 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 is a common thought with with really um, with movies that you have a, a personal connection to. I've, I've heard, I've heard people say that. And I think like you and I are basically at that age where we can say that, you know, where you can right. say that you've grown up with something and seen it several times and see it from a different perspective. So that right. makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah. And it's not just like little Easter eggs, you know, it's, it's a whole new appreciation for individual characters, which is kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah. And I think the varying ages of all the characters kind of adds that to it as well. Yeah. Um, what would you say to someone that's never seen this movie before? Like, what do you say to like a, I don't know, 15 year old? <laughs> oh man. Uh, you know, I guess if it was like a, if it was a kid 15 or, or younger, I would just say, man, do you like dinosaurs? Cause I'm sure you do. You got to watch this movie, you know, <laughs> like right, right. dinosaurs and people together it's going to be terrifying. It's awesome. And it's fun. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully I get that kid before they're jaded, right. Before they're <laughs> too cool to like dinosaurs. Um, uh, you know, as a, as an adult or even like a parent, if I was talking to a parent, I'd be like, you know what, this is an awesome movie because it's all about really smart people, right? Everybody, nobody's dead weight in this movie. And, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a great, great story about, you know, caring for the people that are important to you and, and getting, you know, facing a a terrifying, (laughs) terrifying monster together. Um, and, and, and what I like about it, you know, is that the monster isn't, didn't ask to be the monster, Mm -hmm. you know, the monster was, was, was out of time. You know, right, like, it's totally our fault. I mean, they even say that in the movie. It's like, yeah, they don't know what time period they're in. They're just, right. they're right. just rolling with the punches, and they're doing what they do, and what they do is hunt us down. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We are we are easy snacks for these guys. Yeah. yeah. We didn't exist when they were around. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I mean, that's uh, you know, somebody who's never seen the movie before, or they're worried about sharing showing it to their kids. I you know, I would. I would immediately say you've got to watch this movie, especially if you dig on dinosaurs or your kid likes dinosaurs at all. They got to see this, you know. And I think the effects still hold up. I mean, they still look pretty good. It's not like some movies that age so poorly. I mean, I think they poured enough money into this to where you can still enjoy it kind of in the same way that, you know, I don't think I saw Jaws until I was an adult. It's actually one of my favorite movies. And I'm not like a monster movie person, but that movie's just good. You know, and this is kind of the same way where, I mean, this movie could just be really silly and campy. I mean, it could be like um, a movie that I really like, but that's kind of campy, like Independence Day or something. 
but mm-hmm. it, it's it's a step above that. You know, it definitely right. is a little bit more intellectual than something like that. And mm-hmm. um, that's I think that's a big credit to Steven Spielberg. You know. Yeah. No. That I, I agree wholeheartedly. Like it's just it's just really good, and there's not a lot of movies that are just really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and there's not a lot of faults to this movie. You know, there's a, a handful of plot holes that are whatever. And it's just solid acting, solid storytelling. And, and you're right. Great effects. And mm-hmm. I agree. Those those effects don't match today's standards, but are good enough to be like, eh, you know, I still enjoy this. Like, I'm not losing anything by watching this CGI. Right. I think if the the dinosaurs were like in the whole movie probably it would not age as well, but because they were used so sparingly, I think that that really helps. And that the main focus is not necessarily the dinosaurs, it's the people, which I think if you're going to have a successful creature movie, you kind of have to approach it that way. Sure. (laughs) So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good movie. It's obviously a classic. So I don't think you can say that you're, a movie buff without seeing it. It's kind of like saying you haven't seen star Wars, you know, you kind of have to see Jurassic park. So that's my pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. No, that's, that's yeah. a good pitch. Yeah. And you know, um, so CGI, I was thinking about this. So CGI, this movie was really instrumental in making CGI, uh, accepted. Mm-hmm. Right. Definitely. Because, because it was good. It was good at what it did. And it wasn't the whole movie, like you said, right? Mm-hmm. And so that made it tolerable. And people were like, oh, that's how you do good CGI? Okay, I'm in. You know, like uh, the movie Avatar, right? Mm-hmm. People were like, oh, okay, I'm in. You know, like mm-hmm. you did that well. And now I can buy into, you know, that that level of CGI or that level of, of stuff. Um, and nowadays, like... What is it? Um, gosh, there was a scene in some movie. There's tons of CGI. You have no idea. You have no idea that there's CGI there because it's the background. It's the cars moving on the street. Um, you know, uh, what was it? It was just on Reddit like today. Um, uh, a movie that you don't think of as like a science fiction or fantasy. Yeah, it's not science. It's not like I guess the point is that nowadays CGI is so ubiquitous that like you're watching a movie, there's tons of CGI going on. You have no concept. You have no idea that it's happening. Huh. Um, like, uh, oh, what is it? It's the Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of oh, Wall really? Street. His beach house. That whole party scene, tons of CGI going on. Weird. And you have no concept because CGI is so good because movies like Jurassic Park made it viable to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You know? I just, I just love it. That's so cool. Yeah, people often criticize movies that have too much CGI, but then there's cases where, like you said, it's it's just seamless. Like um, one random example is, and and I saw the previews for it, and it was I was told it was good, and I still kind of refused to see it until it was like free on Netflix. But uh, the Jungle Book, the new Jungle Book, like that oh, entire yeah. they never set foot in a jungle that entire movie is green screen and it looks yeah. awesome <laughs> yeah you're it's right really, you're right really good. I, I did the same thing you did as i thought you know what i can't imagine a movie that's 100 cgi really looking great so i'll watch it later mm-hmm. and sure enough it was it looked really good well plus it, it also like built 
a lot on the source material, whereas I think that movie, like the original, like is really entertaining, but kind of paper thin. They added a lot to that movie to where mm-hmm. it was kind of more fleshed out as a real story. And then on the, top of that, it looked amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The, the characters were not, were multidimensional now and, mm-hmm. and, and, and yeah, had their own, I always get back to this. Does everybody involved have their own personal stake in the outcome? Yes. And that, that is so important because you can always tell when a character, you know, I mean, that's something that they always tell writers, like don't include characters in your story that, that don't have an arc or that don't have a purpose that don't have their own right. motivations because your audience can tell and your audience will say things like, well, you know, I feel like you could have just taken that character out of this movie. You have to make everybody essential right? because then people are, they're just more invested in it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. Well, again, thank you so much uh, for coming on here and discussing this movie. Thank you for being so patient as I went through my techno- technological difficulties. Technical <laughs> yeah, difficulties. yeah uh, no worries. <laughs> no worries. I, I get the creative process takes takes steps like that. No worries. And I, I'm so happy to have done this. Um, this was a, a real treat for me. So thank you. That's so awesome. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, I think you mentioned like, I think we've been discussing the possibility of this episode for a long time. And just know that anytime you want to be on, like keep asking me, it's never that I don't want to have someone on. It's just that sometimes I'm inundated with kind of like requests. And so I'm trying to just kind of juggle and keep everybody in. The more that you say something, the more likely I am to put you back in because you'll be at the forefront of my mind. So so, so never feel like you're bothering me with that. Seriously. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. There's definitely, (laughs) there's, uh, you know, being in your group has kind of rekindled my, desire to talk about some of my favorites. So, uh, I will definitely, uh, throw some, some ideas your way. Cool. Cool. Well, I look forward to having you back and, uh, thanks so much for spending your evening discussing this movie with me. Thanks for making me watch it again. Um, <laughs> because I really enjoyed watching it again. I really did. I don't, I don't think I would have normally sat down and really focused on this movie like I did for this episode. And so I, I definitely relate to you saying you saw it with new eyes. I saw a lot more nuances than I did when I was 10. So yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You bet. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad it worked out in, in all ways. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Talk to you next time. Cool. Talk all to right. you then. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, that episode was awesome. I really enjoyed getting to talk about Jurassic Park with David and reminiscing about our dinosaur fueled childhood. Um, if you want to leave any feedback, you can reach me on Twitter at AYA Lisa Cosplay. You can also reach me on Instagram at AYA and as a Nancy AMI Lisa. And you can join our closed Facebook group, I Love That Movie, if you want to just have a safe space to talk about movies that you love. We have tons of fun in there, so come and join us. Just send me your quest and I'll add you. A quick announcement, we are at 11 reviews on iTunes, guys. I'm so excited. Just four more reviews and I will randomly draw a winner to win a $20 gift card to a movie theater chain of their choice. So once again, all you got to do is leave a positive review on iTunes to be entered. Um, thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. Please remember to subscribe when you subscribe. That also helps other people find this podcast. So I really appreciate that. Thanks so much, guys. Look forward to seeing you next week. Bye.